Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast, episode 147, Hallowed Are the Aurichrists. What does that mean? What does that mean? It was something to do with aliens. It was something to do with aliens, kind of, right? It was back from that Star Trek. Uh, no, not Star Trek. Was the other one Stargate? That was it, Stargate. It was a sci-fi series. Yeah. Wasn't it from Stargate Atlantis? Um, Technically, I think it was the first one, which was SG-1. But they kind of all merged together, didn't they? They did yeah. that Stargate Universe thing, which I didn't watch either. Or was it Discovery or something like that? I can't remember. Something like that. Yes. So they had the idea that there's this ancient race of extremely advanced peoples scientifically speaking and they create a city and lots of technology and such like that and then they are so intelligent and all that jazz that they end up ascending right so they're on this like ascension journey so what ends up happening is they basically a bit like some sort of next level biblical rapture or something like that they just disappear and they turn into gods, essentially, I suppose. And then when they turn into gods, they don't really do a shit lot. <laughs> they just kind of go <laughs> into some alternate reality somewhere and occasionally appear to people. A bit like IRL, Chris, in real life. A bit like <laughs> IRL. Do they sit up in the cloud somewhere playing chess with the pawns that are people and messing with their lives and that? Or are they just way above this place that they're not really that interested that is the sort of thing that i would like to discover and talk to you about today as a thought process um or thought experiment because in the idea of the ancients like they ascended there was also another group of you know peoples that ascended that they called the ori now they were the considered the baddies they were the ones that did used to interact with the physical plane quite a lot and like boss people about and they ended up securing quite a lot of the power and such by forcing people to pray to them which thereby where attention goes energy flows and such stargate was quite an interesting series and it was a lot further on past the stargate atlantis and past all that kind of thing so people will either know or they won't either way it doesn't really matter because what we're talking about today is ascended masters we're talking about that god lower level god tier and we're also talking most importantly about do they get anything from all of this worship lark or do they just judge you for it chris you've been uh, uh up in the clouds at one point possibly still are at some point sometimes <laughs> when i glance over to you it very much looks like you're still up in the clouds when you're right. concentrating and such do you care much for all of these ideas that the gods need to be prayed to and that in order for them to survive or what? I think it depends on the level of de deity you're dealing with. Um, I like to, I don't know if you'll like this analogy or not, Liam, but I'll try it. Um, I kind of feel like it's a, it's a dietary thing. So in the same way that some people you know, choose to be vegetarian, some people choose to be vegan, some people go on these crazy keto diets and these caveman diets. You can survive on all of them, but they all have different problems. 
So depending on what your metabolism actually um, is and how good your gut health is, will depend on whether or not you can survive on these different diets. So, you know, that's, it's why no, there is no one diet fits all mm. uh, and why so many different new fad diets come out all the time um, is largely because they'll work for so many people um, or they'll work for some people some of the time um, and others all of the time. Um, but ultimately, it's about finding the right diet for you. Um, it's getting to the point now you can get those patches now, can't you, where they'll test your blood and shit so you can yeah. try and figure out what food you should eat and what food you shouldn't on a more personal basis. I think the one I was reading about the other day is called Zoe. Have you come across that yet, Liam? No. So it's kind of what uses the same kind of technology that the um, the kind of Libra testing kits for diabetics. But the right. difference is like you can kind of test your kind of um, enzyme levels based on um, like a, a kit that's permanently attached to your arm. Right. And then you can scan it with your smartphone every time you eat something you're not that doesn't react well with you. The mark um, of the beast is that what it is? Yeah, <laughs> it'll, it'll try try and help Zoe you. Is the mark of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> it'll mark you know mark you out the various things. Now, to me, that's that's how I would describe most most deities fit into this get this situation of some deities can eat all things or some deities can survive on very little um depending on how native you are um to this particular universe or set of universes um will depend on how well you survive on certain diets mm. um we know that the kind of the yahweh variety um definitely like attention um which is very different i think than most people will think about they need prayer um and they'll think more linearly into a kind of specific kind of attention mm. whereas actually generally speaking most most spirits operate on an attention you know an attention based thing that's why so whether we say, you pick up the like or dislike button doesn't matter is that what you're doesn't, saying doesn't matter thinking Ooh. about them keeps them alive so i think the reason i bring that one up particularly on the yahweh scale is so much of christianity's teachings um in the recent years focuses on you know avoiding the devil um mm. and to the point that they realize if you're actually to listen to them they talk about the devil far more than they talk about God or yeah. Jesus or any of the others. Um, and then they wonder why there's so much sin around them. Well, it's Which because sin is the basic nature of humans, isn't it? Because they just take the nature of humans and say, you humans that are, you know, naturally evolved and designed this way, you're all bad. You need to be good. How do I do that? do what I say and when the collection plate comes around please add what you can add what you can yeah. <laughs> it's very cynical Chris that's very cynical I just thought it was an interesting concept to, for them to think about in the sense that 
most people will focus on prayer because yeah. most of us will have experienced that kind of um you know yahweh yahweh based practice is most common around most of us um in the western world so you know for me that means that you are most you're more familiar with that than if i was to try and explain you know taoism um do you know mm. what i mean so the kind of you know because that's a good point of reference i thought that was a good place to start in the sense that attention based you know there's a reason in most um um in most esoteric circles you'll talk about you know where attention goes energy flows like you know mm. we talk about that it's a base principle it's up there in those um hermetic laws as above so below so you know it's it's kind of one of those things that should be obvious and i shouldn't need to say um but you know that's not how it works so basically you've just given enough stimulation there by talking about diets for people to download the appropriate information and go off in the appropriate direction to find out the information which should have probably already have been done if you've already done that congratulations if you have not already been done that you're probably around scratching your head thinking wtf what the fuck i don't understand <laughs> so for the slow people right and there's nothing wrong with being slow it's just the way you were born, isn't it? Right? <laughs> I was born that way, baby, or whatever it is Lady Gaga goes on about. For the slow people, can you please now, or we should both probably try and help them unpack a little bit about what their process and their brain juices should be, uh, you know, rather than congealing, they should be coming up with ideas and things and tangents and such to go off on, sticking to the diet thing. So we have some ascended master some big powerful spirit they need to be kept in its position yeah we've got something that requires a certain amount of energy now it goes without saying that the chances are if that is a big cog in the system in the machine that has been around there since the beginning of said machine right so it's a vital part of that machine therefore if it's been there from the beginning of the universe let's say to make it simple then it doesn't require any extra input so that kind of titan level spirit requires nothing of you or anything else it just is there it's a part of the machine this thing that we call reality and uh creation and the universe and such that thing that titan is there that is what you're talking about. You're talking about it being broken down into various faces and such. What we're actually talking about is the the ones that have come up through the system. So the ones that have evolved through the system. So whether you're talking about the Olympic class of spirits, or which have come around and kind of burst with the Big Bang into some form of existence, very early, very been around for quite a while, or whether you're talking about the real young sprightly ones, which are kind of being invented all the time or coming up and evolving all of the time. That's what you would be thinking about this kind of ancient ascension or I type thing is they're the ones very often I tend to find that are wanting to claw their way up the mountain or are going to use any available opportunity to do that. And there's a lot of energy that can be pulled in from attention. 
like an MLM, a multi-level marketing company. If you want to climb up through the ranks, you need a downline, don't you? Yeah. Now, there are such companies, MLMs, that also go on the diet stuff, like that Herbalife and all that sort of shit. Now, mm. what is that at the end of the day? That is someone that is taking some sort of basic principle law of thermodynamics, i.e. calories in versus calorie out, because if you want to lose weight, you need to be consuming less calories than you spend. Every single diet, weight loss diet revolves around that. It don't matter whether it's vegan or vegetarian or fucking omnivore or anything like that. It doesn't matter. It's basically calories in versus calories out. So taking a very simple principle and basically milking it for all it's worth and jazz it in it up in the form of a religion or something like that can help you acquire a dang line to a certain extent so some spirits will set up these little things generally speaking they don't need to take a huge amount of effort either because let's be fair it's the humans that run that and other such things um but also then there's the other sorts of things because you talked about diet and you're talking about well actually if i have an intolerance for something i need to go on a special type of diet because otherwise i'm going to die and that's not necessarily someone taking advantage of you that's basically an understanding of your, you know, your general physical makeup and understanding that you shouldn't be eating certain things because they're, you're more prone to cancer if you drink milk, if you're from a certain lineage, a person from a genetic standpoint, or if you're like the intolerance tax candy, if you even look at anything that isn't a rice cracker, you'll basically die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the intolerant one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's a lot of things to unpack. Where is people's minds wandering? Because your mind should be wandering at this point, right? You should not be left to be told the answers. In fact, you should not even be left to be told the questions. You should be coming up with questions to ask and then going and searching for the answers. We're almost 150 episodes in at this point. That's what we do. We sometimes give a little bit of answers, but sometimes give people questions. All of the information should be there for you to go off and get the information that you want and have the experiences, more importantly, to get you an understanding of what we talk about. Of course, that doesn't mean that a lot of people do it. Of course, Chris does it. Well, no. No. And also they think that they can get everything out of this by listening to it once. Now, you know, if you just go on the basic math of nearly 150 episodes, an hour each, and I'm expecting you to have listened to at least, or, you know, the majority of them at least twice, um, then, you know, there's a few hundred hours of listening there that mm. will get you to where you need to get to. Um, because like a good book, there are still going to be things you missed on the first, second, or even 30th reading, really. Yeah. Um, of, obviously, we're not saying all our episodes are um, that jam-packed, but they've all got a decent amount in there, even the ones where we sound like we're just being silly for an hour. Um, I mean, look at the one which had the most amount of epically secrets in, in the history of the world. That one we did about the pub, how many people didn't understand? Yeah. So There we go. Sometimes they, I don't think they take us seriously enough, Liam. Well, the problem is, is they also think I'll listen again in a minute, which that's not how things work. 
you are required to go through some sort of uh, alchemical transmutation and such, i.e. when you're on a path of ascension, when you're on a path of magical learning and such, if you've learned a shitload of lessons and then go back to your earlier lessons with all this experience and such, you're going to see things that you did not notice there before. Like when you watch Lion King and see it spell sex in the clouds, in it. Yeah. You wouldn't have necessarily noticed that at the time, but when you go back having heard the rumours of such a thing, you can then go back and you can see it. So after now that we've told them off, it, would it be helpful if I gave a, a Titan example that I like to use? To be honest with you, I think at this point they're open to anything. <laughs> You can verbally lambast them, or you can give them a, an inch that they can try and claw a mile out of. I don't know, nor do I think it really matters. All that matters is that we justify the title of this, and in some way, shape, or form, talk about uh, spirits uh, and what one needs to look at with regards to the Ori, obviously, was that they were false gods, weren't they, with godlike powers. So they were gods, but they were just, well... They weren't in it for your ascension. They were in it for keeping you dumb and stupid and weak. You are a food source for them, like sheep, sheeple. You're bred for not your intelligence, but your meat, you see. And a lot of people just look at Christians and that raised in these cults or Scientologists, but actually general cultists are no better. I particularly find this subject interesting with the kind of conversations that we have quite regularly about kind of, um, you know, egregore building and actually mm. the the impact. Because what, what they don't seem to get a lot of the time um, is the whole purpose of building a soul. Mm. So they talk about, we talk about in terms of the engineering of building one but we very rarely, because we are so um, kind of, you know, process orientated or um, because we're trying to teach practicality, mm. I think sometimes the semantics of it get lost. The kind of, you know, the levels at which um, we would normally say avoid people doing. So the armchair magician would spend half their lifetime thinking about what is the soul yeah um a meaning as what its purpose is the kind of wise um and we don't talk about the wise generally speaking but at this point we expect them to understand the correlation between building egregores mm. um and sell and kind of um soul development and the engineering of deities and other kinds of spirits so they're all in the same vein, but because we teach them separately, um, a lot of them seem to miss the point. So, you know, there is a an innate part of going, okay, well, what's its purpose? What's its, you know, soul journey supposed to look like? Now, we don't normally use those that language because that's not a very practical language. Um, you know, that is too wishy-washy um and to kind of wiccan sounding um mm. of kind of focusing on the the kind of wise as opposed to the 
the hows and the whats and the ifs. Um, so I kind of feel like that needs to have some kind of role involved. Now, obviously, with the ORI, that kind of um, and that kind of um, storytelling obviously goes back to the original versions of the, you know, the, the serpent bro brotherhoods. Mm. This kind of idea of a, a, a red snake and a gold snake um, yeah. and them taking the side of kind of light and dark or pick a, pick a polarity and stick the polarity in um, of kind of, you know, this versus that, um, sun versus moon, hot versus cold, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, light over dark is the one that obviously everybody focuses on more than anything. But actually, they very rarely think talk about balance. So I think with the all right, that's the story that the um, the storytellers, which I liked ever so much about Stargate. Mm. I think there was a bigger human element to it and a philosophical element to it than a lot of the kind of sci-fi yeah. storytellings. It had a kind of a mythos to it, a kind of, you know, a storyline it was trying to include and i think particularly with those and the kind of ancient technology and ascension um they kind of were trying to talk about this balance that's required in kind of oppositional forces mm. um that i don't think we get in other sciency kind of shows um but that was just a kind of you know sell the idea of them going to watch it because they really should um i might actually have to go back and re-watch them what would I'm you really... start with sg1 or atlantis though oh i see i liked atlantis a lot i probably I would go atlantis. back there hmm. um but yeah i think it's one of the few that kind of really deals with it in a kind of philosophical way rather than the kind of logic based i find star hmm. trek very logic based um and like on borderline two sciency mm. um and then obviously star wars gets gets too christiany for me um and obviously you may as well burn the last three because did they've been disneyfied um yeah but they could have done i mean i know we're going too much into pop culture but they could have saved the last three um films and they could have been really epic if at the end of the last one emperor palpatine just crushed the ball because he came back and like, and you're like, well, Erika, we've got all of this stuff going on. You could have just been like, nah, you're all a bunch of idiots. I'm just going to crush you. And then that would have just crushed all of this kind of woke uh, <laughs> weakness, wouldn't it? In just one fell swoop, which would have been worth the long drawn out kind of uh, lack of plot development and stuff. If someone <laughs> would come from the classical kind of trilogy to come along and just wipe them all out. But there yeah. we go. Oh, well. Anyway, let's go out of the pop culture and into IRL in real life and such. Then. Yeah, sorry. The The point of that was really to try and get you to say whether or not I should or shouldn't use Hestia as a really good example mm. of that kind of inbuilt programming that Titans have. So because they are fundamental to how things work, um, you only need to take to... You only need to take to the... Um, historical understanding of Hestia um, and actually give some thought to 
um, how they talk about her story and mythos is kind of saying, you know, um, she became this unsung de deity in the sense that she was so important, it was just a given. So, yeah. you know, she is a goddess of the hearth. And by that, there is a, a bargain that had to be struck with all of the um, kind of modern deities. Now, obviously, I'm using that quite loosely with the Olympic spirits, which is what you were mm -hmm. talking about before. Um, the reason she kind of, you know, still takes the last, um, the last kind of laugh for that is at any sacrifice that uses a fire, the first sacrifice is always to her. Yeah, um, she's like on commission, isn't she, basically? She's, she's on commission. Um, and the beauty of that means that that is so widespread in, in the world that actually any time a fire is lit, mm. she is she is being um, given an opportunity. Yeah, um, which I think people are going to mistake because what people are going to be thinking, they're going to be thinking along the wrong lines, which is if I that basically she's got her claws in a system like the mafia used to have their you know uh clubs and such like that where they and their rackets and stuff like that pay us some money or we'll fuck you up like that. the misunderstanding here is that she is a what you class as i suppose primordial elemental force in that that thing cannot actually take place unless her as an element is there so it's not the fact that she's grabbing energy where she sees it is the fact that you, by doing that very thing you are pulling her in because she is necessary for that ritual or that thing to work whether she's asked or not by the very nature of lighting a match she's there which people need to think that in especially with regards to calling up things oh i need to call in hesty i need to call in this i need to call in that how are you going about doing that? Because she's potentially already there. And if one is there, then it shows you a lack of understanding that you don't already know that they're there, which yes. is one of the big ones that you do have, particularly with the Titans, is because they are always around everywhere. I don't mean to sound like a Christian when I say that, with all <laughs> the like, om omnipotence and all that sort of shit. But the fact that you don't understand by doing something as stupid as calling up something that's already there. This is why the elements rarely respond. Because they're already there. Yeah. If you really want to push a great depth of elemental magic, then the first thing you're going to do is stop calling them up when they're already there. Yeah. You're going to tune in and fill them and their vibration and their characteristics and their personality it should be obvious when in a given situation one element or one energy is there and fucking about if we equate a class of you know year four year five year olds yeah four or five year olds in a class at school yeah is very apparent when one or two of them are fucking up to something because they give themselves away, don't they? Yeah. Now, is the teacher, that magical practitioner, that magi, whatever you want to say, that has got to know the characteristics of all of those individuals and can see them and feel them in that class, that teacher, he or she or it knows 
whether certain ones are paying attention or not. Most importantly, they know which ones are likely to be paying attention. They also know which ones are going to be trying to hide themselves and blend in because they don't know the answer to the question. Rather than make a raucous that they're actually trying to be quiet so they don't get picked on. You know, this is the level of understanding and it's a depth of feeling, which is why when we start, we have the mercurial and the Venusian path because those two are the merging. That teacher is merged with both the intuition and the flow and feeling with the logic behind it. Because she knows that little Timmy's a coward and he's not going to put his hand up, but he does know the answer. But at the same time, he knows that Janine is a silly little cow and that she's going to be causing trouble over in the corner. But it won't be her that's causing the trouble. She's going to be the one that's jabbing someone that she sat next to in order to make them yelp. And someone that's not a very good teacher is going to turn around and blame the person who's yelping for disrupting the class. But it won't. It was Janine. This is the nature, okay, that we need to go back to and understand. Why is it that you're angry at a certain energy? Is it that energy that's causing the problem or is it that energy that is just being and working according to its nature in a spell? If you add too much of something, what the fuck do you think that's going to do to your overall working, your overall spell, your overall ritual, your overall thing? You've mistaken and not understood the nature of the personality and the things that are there. From a Titan level, we're talking about big cogs here, big cogs in the universe. We're not usually working on big cogs because most people haven't got the strength in order to turn them. Instead, they focus on the little cogs. And that's it for the regular edition of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. If you want to listen to an extended edition, then get your fucking asses on the Patreon where we'll go into more depth. So now we're on the Patreon. We need to go into big more depth and like deliver upon what I just said, I guess, anyway. Not that it shouldn't be difficult. But I don't know where we want to go. There's just too much to cover. Ultimately, I think the, you know, not to go to a point that sounds beneath them, but ultimately there comes a point where this discernment is the most important part. So to go back mm. to the deception aspect of the all right, yeah. Um, in the fact that they are actually the baddies and nobody actually realizes because they're so enlightened how could they possibly be bad um which i think is often the mistake that's rare you know regularly made which is in a kind of post wiccan world um people seem to have this idea that everybody is good um mm. and deities are automatically good um i would say on the on on the whole most of the deities i work with are fairly neutral mm. in the sense that you know they couldn't give a shit either direction um you know there is a, there is a point at which people you know you get to when you're practicing where it stops being about good or evil or morality mm. or any of those things um which is why we have such a um a kind of specific um ethics that we talk about um where you know it's not really about right or wrong anymore it's about should or shouldn't i fuck with that thing 
um or should i should i or shouldn't i mess with that thing that um i was told not to touch or you know um and actually taking on the impact of that um yeah there comes a point in a and it's a rite of passage i think in a witch's career when they suddenly work out that everything they are and do is completely fucking insignificant and for the mundane they worry about such things they don't like to feel insignificant but for the witch what they turn around and is a realization that everything that they do doesn't matter the universe is going to end and it doesn't matter if it ends today in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter and what they realize very quickly is the amount of power that comes with truly understanding that and understanding that statement because if it means that none of this matters it gives you a considerable amount of power to change it because guess what nothing of great power cares so it's not going to get in your way the only thing that would potentially get in your way are your rivals that are operating on the same or around about the same level of you and do you know what they're rivals which means that they're your classmates which means that they can be best as defeated as you're smart about it that's really important I wonder how many people realize that though well this is this is kind of the point I think is getting them to understand that actually focus on what what is it they actually want to achieve um and not what they think they can or can't Mm. um because i find that's the trickiest part for a lot of them is kind of figure outing where they want to really go Mm. um well some want to progress in a very 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 specific direction most want to progress in every direction at the same time it seems and then you can find that with the generic statement of oh, I want to be a super witch when the word yeah. super witch they've just heard someone else talk about it at some point and they think yeah I'll put me down for that love that sounds like I get to do everything so I might as well go on that that little journey not that it's even really a journey because it's what everyone else just refers to as well many cultures and many things just have different names for it. it's not like an individual specialist journey is it it's just progressing it's just called progress and such yes i think the real sorry i was just gonna say it's about continually moving forward i think yeah is the best way to kind of put that yeah and demonstrations of experience and power when you do things or let's not say do things let's say repeat things that you've already done in front of others that have not yet got the capacity to do it is when the rumors start to fly when accusations of super witchery come around which is basically you get that from looking backwards not looking forwards if you look forwards you always see what you're yet to obtain when you look backwards you always see what you have obtained you also get to see the faces of those that are yet to obtain your current position so if you want the whole super witchy feel, then I suggest you look back and not forwards. The problem is, is that we push progression, which is normally always looking forwards and which you always feel inadequate. And there are many people, I think Chris, you agree out there that are doing some amazing work that feel inadequate. Yeah. 
And yet there are other people that continually, instead of looking forward and progressing forward, they're just constantly look, looking back to rub in the faces of others how far they've come. And with all that looking back, they're not necessarily noticing the people that in the periphery are overtaking them. Yeah. But oh well. So do people have anything to fear from the likes of the Yahweh and such? Because the Yahweh could be equated, I think, in the sci-fi universe as uh, as the or, right? It's something that wants followers. It wants energy pumped into it and is willing to reward those or give promises of reward to those that, you know, give it what it wants, essentially. Because a lot of it is fear, let's be fair. Most of it tends to come from fear, fear of hell, fear of getting in the way of something more powerful than you fear doesn't echo very well or it doesn't hold much value for i think the magical practitioner or the witch i mean the age-old thing of we are the weirdos mister from that hmm. you know craft film is the point where actually magical practitioners that get very far the witches tend to be the ones that will stand up to things that they know and innately feel that are more powerful than them and they are willing to die or worse not to be pushed around it's not necessarily about overcoming it's about standing up to those things that want to push you around and if something wants to push you around and you decide to stand up, there will be repercussions from that. But it also does mean that you'll be identified as something that's working against that thing. The enemy of my enemy is my friend and all that. So you would be surprised how many things open their doors up for you. Indecision, however, no one opens the doors up to the indecisive. I think there's also a factor, a factor in here that kind of speaks to the ego. Mm. Um, which is that ultimately, you know, why would it care? Um, the fact that you are doing some little, little love spell, um, or you know, how how much impact does that have on it, on an, an an entity's life? Yeah, nothing. So you messing around. It's only when you start to get to the big stuff um where you're potentially going to get in some uh, some spirits way or cause too much attention that might make it look bad um because let's say let's face it like we often talk about reputation is everything yeah. um so there is that kind of part of you know how relevant are you um you can get a lot through a lot of practice in a lifetime that will have, bring no attention to you whatsoever. Mm. Um, I think the problems most people find is good practitioners normally have some kind of bias in terms of to particular spirits. Um, and they're often more invested in it than the, the individual practitioner is. Um, you know, when it comes down to the kind of mascotting that kind mm. of happens, um, not talking about demigods obviously that is a totally thing or a totally different separate thing altogether but because we used to practice and um, in the classical world 
um, far closer to our deities. There are some lasting relationships that exist for a lot of practitioners. Um, so it kind of falls in a natural progression of that you're going to have some unwitting biases or mm. old friendships that you've forgotten about yeah. and they haven't. Um, and I think that's where most people get into trouble. It's not because, uh, you know, they've done this massive work and it's drawn the attention of, you know, Lucifer himself, mm. um, you know, tongue in cheek, even suggesting Lucifer is a big thing. But the, um, you know, like the fact that to, to somebody who has practiced as a solitary um, and can only really compare their work to what's online or what's in books, that would seem huge. Mm. Um, you know, so the kind of, I said, oh, you know, it's kind of where that running joke for me about hog tying uh, Michael up, you know, that kind of sounds like some kind of ego trip when actually um, all that is, is I live with someone that has a, a ongoing connection with Michael and it gets in the way of my practice. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a result to that process. The result of that process is I remind Michael it's not welcome here. Yeah. Um, when that person isn't here. Mm. So, you know, look before you come in, bitch. Like, um, you know, is kind of the simple part of that. Um, but that's talking about what I would consider to be a fairly low-level entity. You know, angels are not huge things. Well, it's a cock. You know... It does its job and it turns when it's required to turn. Exactly. So, you know, for me, that's not huge magic. Mm. Um, and that's not an ego thing or a super witch thing. That is just a kind of, okay, you need to understand where the different levels of energies are. And this discernment we were talking about before, about knowing what is what is easy to fuck with, what's not easy to fuck with. And again, that goes back to diet of, you know, what are you capable of? Because depending on what you're made of and depending on the kinds of magic that you perform will depend on how easy you find digesting, um, you know, gluten suddenly mm. becomes for you. Um, and for me, digesting gluten, a.k.a. Michael, um, is a fairly simple thing for me. But that's how it's compatible with my energetic bodies. Um, I know there will be particular deities and particular spirit classes that are like swatting flies for you, Liam. Yeah. Um, but there is a natural there is a natural part of that that is about compatibility, is about and politics, politics, <laughs> magical gut health. Mm. Um, I think there's plenty there to say about actually, you know different energies are better at different things um, and people that surround themselves in specific kinds of energies um, find other energies more difficult and some much easier and especially when you go back to the ascended masters framework that you said at the beginning of the podcast Liam mm. ascended master means 
has a specialism and yeah. has done well in it yeah um that is the simple understanding of that um it's a progression pathway to an individual you know in some ways that's open to all practitioners if that's the goal to become an ascended master then you need to get to the point where you are so specialist in your specific field which will be a very narrow one because mm -hmm. they are all very narrow minded um <laughs> like there is a lot of room there if that's what somebody is specifically looking at because to me most yeah. most ascended masters would probably by our terms been um super witches at some point yeah yeah they're super witches that are kept within living memory hence why people still know their names and reach out to them consultants earn big bucks merely because they've convinced others that they need consultants it doesn't necessarily mean like you can look at some very very prominent consultants and uh, project managers that never deliver upon the promises that they make but the sales they're very good with sales they can sell themselves they can sell the concept you also see that with psychology a lot of the time as well a lot of the softer sciences let's say but people get out something or think they're paying for something that they're not actually paying for often with modern art people have uh you know and i've made jokes about it before that you were joking about paying an obscene amount of money for what's essentially a story or concept with concept art but at least you know that that's what you're paying for yeah whereas with other things a business consultant for example why are you paying for that big business consultant is it because you know for a fact that they can transform your business or is it because they've sold you a story that they can transform their, your business and are they doing it or are they not doing it was it worth it was it not worth it hmm. interesting so with regards to how spirits view you and why spirits do not answer the call you are human if you listen to this chances are you're a human and you're trapped within this very three-dimensional some of you i know are fairly two-dimensional but let's say three-dimensional paradigm and you do not understand if you are judgmental as a human just how limited your forms and ways of judging people actually is a spirits are very judgmental whether they be spirits that are judgmental for egotistical reasons like humans or whether they're spirits that are judgmental just by their natural makeup of what they like to gravitate towards versus not you know it doesn't really matter ultimately if a spirit does not want to work with you or answer the call remember it sees your past present and future because it's outside of this three-dimensional reality so if you're asking something of the spirit it's already knowing whether you're going to deliver upon that and if you're some weak neo-pagan that's lighting a stick of incense and begging and asking for something with no real energy resolve or character or ability to actually accomplish the thing that you're setting out to accomplish then it's not going to be you're not going to be worth its time it'll pick up like santa does pick up the milk and cookies on the 24th of december and fuck off if it even bothers to do that normally something else comes along and takes that up in fact there are spirits that that is their bread and butter to feed off of 
the remains and uh, you know spell work and energy put it other spirits shapeshiftery types just pretend to be something and give false hope like psychics it's like psychic first chris <laughs> they just tell people the thing that they want to hear and wear a mask i mean it works wonders which is why we're in this uh, state that we're in with regards to well neo-paganism in general i suppose if the spirits are real then why do they not answer well we know that they do for people that are worth answering <laughs> So be one of those people that are worth answering. Why are you contacting this spirit? There's one rule to be, uh, or one common feature that you'll find when looking at grimoires and such, and that is if you're unworthy, you kind of have to threaten to get an audience. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know. If you listen to the people where they got spirits popping up in this right and that, you know, left, right and centre, in order to do work and give them messages and such like that chances are it's because they're open to that and because they're in a position to be able to do something the ones that aren't doing anything are the ones that need to do use coercion and force the thing so being a little bit aware one of the big mistakes i've seen and i think you've seen recently as well we could name a certain one or two people is that neglecting a spirit that is already in residence so are you calling something up which is already there or are you failing to go to the place which it resides hmm. which is not necessarily very smart worst thing you could probably do is to call up your friend and say i'll meet you at the train station and then they fuck off to the cinema wonder why your friend's not there Any wisdom to I'm just I'm conscious of the fact we've covered a lot of ground, so I don't know if it's better to retread something or add further. Probably retread something, but we've got 10 <laughs> minutes. What would you like to retread? Because that would require remembering what we've been talking about. <laughs> yes, there is that. There is that. That's the only problem with channeling. Um what do you think people fear the most then when they're listening to this do you think they fear failure do you think they fear repercussions what is it that you think is the biggest block for people when working with a powerful spirit i think the well i'll start with the reality the reality i think the reality is people think too small mm. so that what they think is huge isn't taxing at all for the individuals they're contacting so and i the other part is i think people don't fear bothering deities so in the sense that i find a lot of people jump to deity work for additional power mm. because yeah. they their fear of kind of messing it up or, or for a teacher you know yeah yes um or they start dabbling with too many deities at once yeah is the other one where they kind of like and again it comes down to discernment i think that's why i keep throwing the word out like 
there is that kind of point of um, people don't think the first one has replied to them, so they try another and another. And before they know it, they've got multiple deities they're dealing with um, when they only needed one. And then they're in a position where they're potentially going to upset one or all of them. Mm. Um, yes. Because... Well, Do you hear the stories about that? You hear them with specific spirits that often people tend to fall into a priest or priestess hood with. So one of the popular ones nowadays that we see every now and then is Santa Muerte, where they find, oh, wait a minute, I've now got into this energy. I can see this energy stream in everything is the only one I need to go for. I'll become a priest priestess of it and worship that thing just because I'm now seeing the level of depth that is there. Same with plants. When people think about one specific plant, like yarrow has been popular, rosemary has been popular, where they see it on a, a simple level and they think, well, this is good for this, this and this. But then all of a sudden, when they see the depth of it, you think there's a ridiculous amount of things that I could use this for because you see a deeper current, a deeper stream. The tendency, of course, is to forget that all things have a depth to them. And yes, you may be exploring depth through one hole, let's say, if you're going and you're cutting a little... Uh, you know, uh, you go to uh, really, really, really far up north and you start a drilling down through the ice and then you find this old icery, icy water. And you go in that icy water, assuming you've got a decent suit on or a submarine or something like that, you start to explore. You fail to see that actually this is more like a colander where all these individual things, because you're just used to going through the same hole in the colander. Yeah it people lose themselves very quickly with that sort of thing but then that's where you've got the necessary of the lower triangle to come in because you need to make sense with these things so there needs to be a certain amount of logic but then you need to surrender to the journey as well but there we go i keep getting someone sending me poetry <laughs> so yes i think I think there's often a fear of catching up is the oh. other one. Um, a fear that they'll never catch up if they don't. And that means they don't hold on to a thought for very long before they replace it with another one. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it really depends on on the individual and what they're actually hoping to get out of this relationship with. I think too many people feel they need to get involved with deities. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm forgiving the ones that draw a lot of attention, attention to themselves and therefore have no choice but to deal with deities um, because they turn up in the droves. Um, but, yeah, I think necessarily you know it's not necessarily a bad thing mm. um but i think some people chase down deities before they've even got down to the point where they understand what one is 
Well, this is true. I mean, there are multiple people here. So if you think about the person that doesn't even know whether deities exist or not and have no experience with spirits, kind of stereotypical atheist type, probably shouldn't be dealing with them because you're trying to seek something which you don't even know exists and you won't even be able to comprehend. So that's probably not such a very good idea. Instead, you should be trying to work out whether magic exists and your own power because that is the stepping stone you're currently fucking on. Don't be going and reaching for another stepping stone. Think about what you can already manifest and what you can already do. Those that have a negative in, or have spirits and things that are having a negative impact on their life, so you've got the stereotypical, I live in a haunted house or something like that, definitely worth not neglecting that. Fucking go for it. You need to start tearing that bitch apart and try and understand exactly the nature of what you're dealing with. So fucking go full throttle at it. Third one is oh, I'm a magical practitioner and I'm really trying to accomplish this specific thing, this little quest, this work. I wonder whether there's anyone or anything out there that can assist. That's another reason why it would be good for you to partner up with a deity or your ascended master type because you are specializing in trying or you're trying to do something. Therefore, you're really looking, you're in the market for a specialist and advice and help and such potentially even attempting to build a queen, uh, a queen, trying to build a team, you know, Odysseus, a little motley krill, for example, you know, might be a good idea, but how have you got any experience with doing that? Or if you're starting from scratch, then you should think logically about it and don't just start interviewing for positions because a lot of the time when you're speaking to people that are going on quests or build a business and stuff like that, there are a number of schools of thought. Some people will say, I need to accomplish this, this, and this. Therefore, I need a specialist in this, this, and this. Other people just go by, I will see what talent's out there and create the structure around the talent. Hmm. Because the one thing you can't do is force the star through the triangle hole. So what will it be? Are you going to say, I've got a triangular hole, I need to go and find a triangle? Or are you thinking, I've got a circle, I need to find a circular or square hole? <laughs> That's the right shape. But I don't know. There's a lot of things for people to process. Have you got anything more for us? Anything more to process? Um, I, I, ultimately, I think it comes down to what do you think you're looking at are you able to notice what that is mm. um and it needs to be more specific than oh that's more that's more powerful than me um mm. because for some for some people that will be you know much further down the tree um but yeah i think discernment is the most important advice i can give is spend as much time as possible on that i think that's why we push psychic development first mm. um for most people is because they need to know what they're looking at and that that regardless of whether or not that is the spell they just cast um the people around them and then eventually getting up to the point where you recognize different spirits and their energy levels uh, what they're made of um, and going back to that kind of soul discovery I guess back in school 
there was a very famous, I'll quote it, right? A very famous speech that one would give, usually the person that you're sat next to when you're doing your uh, revision or tests and such. And that was, copycat, copycat, you don't know what you're looking at. You're looking at the doormat. People should think about that because copycats is all we get in occultism usually. And those copycats don't know what they're looking at. And very often what they're looking at with regards to a grimoire or magical practice is the doormat, which basically means the front door, which basically means that you are yet to even go in to the building. You may be uh, practicing this bullshit for decades upon decades, but you still have not made it in the building yet because you still don't know what you're doing. You're just copying. There's no substance, no understanding of what you're doing. Merely borrowed words. Why does it always come back to people repeating borrowed words, though, Chris? And how many people will borrow our words and regurgitate? Too many. Too many. Let's hope not. Anyway, that's it for another edition. Go away and mull it over or do whatever it is you people do.